Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Laurie Gilbertson, who is a former New York City prosecutor, gulp, and television legal analyst who produced and provided extensive input into local and national media outlets for a decade. In 2019, Laurie launched Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice, an incubator program for attorneys starting socially conscious practices. Lovely and very uh, fantastic thing to do, which we're going to find out an awful lot more on today's podcast. Currently, Laurie is the CEO and owner of Trebecca Blue Consulting, a company specializing in helping professionals with their public speaking, presentation skills, and media appearances. Uh, And I smile, I laugh somewhat, because I'm hoping to pick up a few tips from this lovely lady today. Today is looking resplendent in pink. You can't see that because this is an audio-only podcast. But if you check out our YouTube channel, you will see Laurie uh, in the not-too-distant future. Laurie, thank you so much. You are a busy lady. You are in the middle of umpteen different things. And I really am grateful to you for finding the time to join us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. As we have very much, we've done an awful lot of research And uh, I think you are one of these people, Laurie, that has a CV that somewhat speaks for itself. I'm a little bit in awe of speaking to a New York City prosecutor. So I've got to be a little bit careful what I say, obviously. Um, But all joking apart, um, you know, you are a lady that has achieved, you know, some extraordinary things. And so I guess the most obvious place to start, if it's okay, is really as far back as you want to go and take us on this, this amazing life journey that you've been on kind of to the present day, really. Okay. Well, I don't know how far back to go exactly, but I'll share a little something from when I was growing up that will kind of give you a sense of uh, how I started down the path to becoming a prosecutor, um, which was, you know, my dream job. So when I was probably about five, um, I used to get all the neighborhood kids together and do puppet shows, and fashion shows and all sorts of plays in our backyard. And I, you know, my parents would tell me that I was a great director. I think I was actually quite bossy, um, and, but I also like to join in. So I think I had this um, sense of, of wanting to, to act and be out there, but I also had this sense of wanting to kind of direct and curate everything. So in my uh, very first day in my criminal law class in law school, my professor was talking about criminal law cases and I was hooked. And I thought, oh my goodness, I would get to go into trial and be in the courtroom, which I knew I wanted to do. I would get to also kind of curate how a case would go and kind of lead investigations, make important decisions, have independence and responsibility. And, you know, really the best thing of all is I would get to do justice and really feel like I was doing some good in the world. 
That was not in my mind when I was about five doing all the puppet shows, but it was something that became such a huge part of why I went to law school in the first place. And so that led me to New York City, uh, to becoming a prosecutor there, and then just kind of taking, um, you know, really my decade there, being in court almost every single day, just really getting to do, feel like I was doing justice every day. And that was just an amazing and incredible experience that I got to live, I got to experience, and I got to also learn from, you know, some incredible mentors along the way. And so, you know, I, I take us quickly to the present day. Um, you know, it's tough to, uh, to leave a dream job. You know, it's tough to do that and to think, well, what am I going to do next? What's going to live up to something I've been wanting to do for so long? And I ended up... Um, you know, after about a decade being burnt out, you know, just being ready for, for the next challenge. And so I, um, among other things, prosecuted some white collar crime and then really entered into the legal education field where I could take everything I had learned and start um, helping other lawyers learn to, helping them communicate better, helping them learn trial techniques, getting to kind of experience a world outside of where I was prosecuting in New York City and the communities that I had really become so a part of and kind of experienced something different. And that, that also was, was a really um, great experience. I got to do uh, you know, some new projects there. I got to start interviewing attorneys about things and kind of putting them on camera and getting people to step out of their comfort zones, which would help their business ultimately. And after that, I had this huge life change. Um, my husband got a job in Denver, totally across the country from New York City. And the two of us looked at each other and we looked at our three elementary school children and we said, huh, that would be kind of cool. And we took on a new adventure. When I got here to Denver, um, I decided I'd take some time off to be with my kids. They were, they were young and I had not taken any true time off except for maternity leaves since I was 15 years old. And I said, let me take a little time and figure out what I wanna do next. And what really came out of that period, which, which was an incredible time of some reflection and some exploration and, and some amazing family time um, was this idea that I was going to create what I wanted to do next. I couldn't really find it, so I was gonna make it. And so here I am in a position I never in a million years thought I would be in as an entrepreneur. Never. So, you know, lawyers, we're not risk takers. We don't jump out and do this kind of stuff. This is crazy. Uh, so here I am. And what I've realized, you know, from founding my, my communications company, which thank you for talking about in your wonderful introduction, I have nothing to add to that right now. Um, what I found was that, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I, I get to carry on these kind of themes that have been going throughout my career. I get to still tell stories. You know, I told stories of victims for 10 years, and now I get to help other entrepreneurs and executives and attorneys tell stories for themselves and their clients. And I also get to kind of create uh, something where I have that same independence and responsibility that I had back in my dream job as a prosecutor. So, there's my my journey to start us off with. Wow! <laughs> round, round of applause for that one. That was um, that was beautifully and articulately put. I mean, you didn't miss a beat. That was fantastic. And I'm going to try and resist the temptation 
to ask you to comment on the Johnny uh, Depp Amber Heard case, uh, but only because it's it's captivated us all in the UK. Um, but notwithstanding, you mentioned the words that you were ready for the next challenge. And I'll tell you what I find really fascinating about speaking with you, Laurie, is that you are someone, one of the few actually, that I've ever spoken to where, although you may not necessarily, age of five, dreamed about being, you know, a, a, a prosecutor, you, once you'd made that decision, you went on a purposeful journey to achieve your ambition. So many people that we speak to on the podcast, and no disrespect intended, many, many, many thousands of people that email us who say, I have this dream, but I just don't know how to get started. I've never felt fulfilled. How does Laurie Gilbertson, having made a decision, go on that journey? That's part one to the question. The second part, which is linked to that, is Laurie then gets to the end of that journey She's burnt out, to use your phrase. She then embarks on another uh, journey uh, with purpose. And she's consciously aware of that journey that she wants to go on. And she makes it happen. How, how does someone get out of the starting blocks in life once they've made a decision? Because we know there's a fairly big void between decision and outcome. Yeah, you know, there is between the decision, the action and the outcome. For me, Sandra, my, my tough part is getting to the decision. My, that's my tough part. Once I get to the decision, the action is easier. So, you know, how, how do you get there? Well, let me tell you about my journey to becoming a prosecutor. And I think your audience will um, resonate with that, especially people who send emails and say, I don't know how to do this. Um, like I said, it was my first year, first day of law school. And law school in the U.S., it's three years so I, you know, learned along the way and, and, you know, started kind of trying to make some connections, started maybe trying to get an internship at the prosecutor's office where I wanted to be, started planning and looking ahead. So it wasn't going to be a huge leap, but it was somewhere where I knew I wanted to get. So you'd think with all of that, everything I worked for in those three years, yeah, you're going to go interview, you're going to do great, you get it. Um, it didn't turn out that way. So I interviewed, I believe, in four out of the five um, prosecutor's offices in New York City that coming out of law school, and I made it through lots of the interview processes, and in my top job, made it to the final interview, and then bad, just we, I, the interviewer, and I did not connect. Um, it was just kind of a nightmare. I walked out of there, and I knew I didn't get the job, and so there I was coming out of you know, well, I didn't have my dream job. I had worked hard for this. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, you know, and I encourage people to do this. I just kind of took a breath and thought, well, what can I do to get there now? Because obviously this path that I've been working on so hard for three years did not work for me. So what do I do now? It's going to be different. And so what I did was I thought, I talked to people and said, what do I need to do to get this job? What are you going to be looking for? How can I do this? Instead of saying, I'm never getting this, I thought, how, how can I do this? And so I got some advice. I talked to lots of different people. I did a lot of reaching out and um, ultimately decided that doing a clerkship um, in the U.S., we do that, do a clerkship for some judges in the U.S., um, would really help me kind of beef up that resume um, and experience. And so I did that. I worked really hard. I um, did some more networking. I talked to everybody I could. I was really fortunate to end up with a clerkship. It wasn't criminal. It was administrative law. 
It was nothing I knew about, but I connected with the judges. They connected with me. And it turned out to be something that, you know, I took. It was not where I envisioned myself, but this I was hoping was going to get me to where I wanted to go. So that was a two-year clerkship. And then I started interviewing again. And I went back to all those same offices. And I went through, you know, in the, in the U.S. for the New York City prosecutors, you go through about five interviews. And, you know, it ranges from one person to five people. They give you hypotheticals where you have to talk about what you would do. I mean, this is, this is not for the faint of heart. It's really not. And I went through it all over again. And I got an offer from an office, you know, where I really wanted to be. And I remember opening that offer letter and just thinking, wow, like I did it. You know, I did it. That was how I took that action. Um, it wasn't easy, but what I kept in my head, I think was just that this is where I want to end up and what do I have to do to get there? And just reaching out to people, getting advice and taking one small step at a time and just trying to keep in my head that it was going to be for kind of that ultimate purpose. So that is what I, that's the advice I would give, you know, to people who are really thinking, how do I get from decision to that end of that journey? Um, also keeping in mind, it may not turn out exactly as, as you want it. Um, I had originally wanted to go to one particular office um, in New York City, and I got an offer first from a different office who I was fortunate they really wanted me. And they were kind of recruiting me. And this was a wonderful feeling. And I went back to my original first choice and said, I have this other offer. Can you let me know? And they kind of said, yeah, we can't let you know for a month. And the office who, who had given me the offer said, yeah, you know, of course we need to know in whatever, three days. So I took, I took that offer and I went to an office that I, I didn't originally think I was going to go to. And it ended up being an incredible 10 years where I really, you know, was able to really accomplish the things I wanted to. So I'd also encourage people to keep in mind that it's not always going to look like what you think it's going to look like when you make that decision. And you got to keep an open mind to, to where that end point is going to be. Um, your second question about what do you do when you reach the end of the journey? Um, I think probably like you, Sandro, I get a little bored, right? Sometimes like you, you do these great things and then you're like, okay, what's next? Um, and I was burnt out. And, you know, it's, um, I think there is a lot to work through when you kind of come to the end of that journey. And so I really do encourage people to give yourself some time and space to understand that you may not have the answer right away of, of what that next decision is and what that next point is going to be. It may take you a little time to process you know, may take you a little time to kind of work through where you want to be next and that you don't always have to have that exact outcome. You know, I, I took some stepping stones after the district attorney's office because honestly, I had a, a great deal of grief. I think at the end, it felt like I had had this career and this was what I wanted. And then I finished it, you know, maybe like, you know, an athlete goes, I, I, this will be an analogy maybe not a good one, but you know, an athlete goes to the Olympics and then it's done. You've worked for it for so long, it's over. What, what do you do? You know, kind of, what do you do? Who are you without that? And my advice is to give yourself some space to work that through. I didn't, I went right into the next job and that was not a good decision. Um, you know, and I learned from it. 
I learned that that I do need to process those things. And um, that's that processing and that trying lots of different things um, led me to where I am now. You're, um, if you don't mind me saying this, because um, you sound like a very modest lady to me, so this may embarrass you, but you have what occurs to me, uh, Laurie, to be a, have a very strong purpose. You know, the word passion uh, and, and your why, it does come through very kind of loud and clear. You seem to have a very clear vision that 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 the the desire, the the reasons for doing something do come across very strongly when you when you speak. Um, so maybe if I may dissect what you've just said for the benefit of the listeners, um, very important part of your successful journey through business and life in general is this really strong sense of of why. Would that be fair? Oh, absolutely. Yes, for sure. And you know, I am. Um... Simon Sinek has his TED talk on, you know, finding your why. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with that. Um, and that's something that, you know, when I was working in the legal incubator that you mentioned earlier, the uh, called the Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice, helping attorneys start their own businesses. Also, nothing I ever thought I'd be doing, nothing I'd even heard of before I, I talked to the founding members there. Um, that's something that we started with. You know, before you do anything, you got to think about that. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? What is driving you? And often that's something that um, that we have inside of us. It's not a matter of creating it. It's just a matter of uncovering it. I'm going to, um, I, I did say this rather tongue in cheek earlier. I mentioned Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a Brit watching from abroad, uh, I, I was the fly on the wall in the courtroom on occasions. I couldn't help myself, I must admit. And if you if you don't mind me saying, no disrespect intended to the lawyers in, in the US or indeed in that courtroom, there were a few times where I thought, is, is this the best that the US have to offer? Um, and, I, and, and just for good measure, there are plenty in the UK I feel the same way about. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because obviously you are now on this kind of mission to help people to become better advocates, to become great, better communicators, not just in, 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 uh, in a courtroom, for example, but in, in life generally. What are the biggest communication mistakes that you see people make? What are you trying to do in the, in the majority of cases, if there is a majority? What, what are people typically coming to you for, Laurie? Okay, um, a few different things. One of the Biggest mistakes I see um, is people thinking that when they are communicating, like public speaking or presenting, that kind of communicating, or in a courtroom, that kind of communicating. Um, I have to admit that um, I, I stayed away from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard. I saw some TikTok videos that my daughter sent to me because um, she's a teenager and she was watching them. Um, Maybe I will, you know, kind of get get up on that, Sandra, and we'll do another podcast to talk more about that. But um, so I don't have a whole lot to add on that. But the mistake that people make is thinking that you have to fit into some sort of mold in communication, that there is a certain way to do it and that, that that is the way it has to be done. One of my least favorite things that people say and I cringe when I hear it, is we're doing it this way because we've always done it this way. I hate that. And the advice that I give 
to every single client. And there's a presentation I give of my top 10 public speaking tips. And this is number one, that you have got to be yourself. You have got to start to uncover the same way you uncover your why, because it's there, who you are and what your style is. So when I was at the DA's office, I you know, really admired so many of these attorneys who were kind of ahead of me and had experience. I'd go watch them in court. And you know, I learned that you know, there, there were men who were in there who were six feet tall, you know, larger men doing things in front of a jury that me as a five foot two woman, if I tried it, would look ridiculous. There are things that I could do in front of a jury that people who wanted to take tips from me couldn't do because it wouldn't work for them. Everybody's got something unique and it's really about uncovering that. So when people try to fit into this mold, and um, I do think there was probably some of that at the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, lawyers think they have to talk a certain way. Um, you really fail. You know, you're losing that essence that is going to make your message so interesting, so compelling, and so persuasive. So that is one thing. Um, the second thing that brings people to me um, is the idea, you know, I think they've kind of gotten over the idea by the time they come to me, but the idea starting out, which I think is prevalent everywhere. I don't know how it is in the UK, but certainly in, in a lot of workplaces in the US, um, that communication is not that important that it's a soft skill, that it's something you throw on after you, you know, maybe we get some training in this after we've learned all this other stuff. But it's so essential. You know, how are you going to get your message across? How are you going to talk to people? How are you going to make a sale? How are you going to get a client? How are you going to speak at a conference if you don't know how to communicate? How are you going to get along with your colleagues? How are you going to manage people? I mean, it is the essence of everything. So I think people come to me also at the point when they've realized this, and that they don't know how to do it and they're ready to get started. So those are a couple of things I, I, I see. And, you know, that is one of the, the huge problems I see of people, you know, just not really learning, not really kind of um, curating and honing this skill throughout their careers. And, you know, I have a client who is 24 years old, much younger than most of, of the people I, I work with who are, are generally further along in their careers. And she came to me because she said, I'm not a good communicator. It makes me really nervous. I don't know how to do it. And I'm nervous for my job every day because I don't know how to talk to my boss. Um, they want me to do a podcast and I don't know how to do it. You know, I don't know how to do business development because I'm afraid to talk to people. And at 24, she came to me and said, I, I need help. And that was amazing. I would love to see more people doing that and just starting earlier. You know, I got trial by fire. I got to be in a courtroom every single day. That's where I really honed my skills. But what are other people doing who are not necessarily in that situation to really start honing these skills? It's not something you learn in an hour, as you know, right? Starting, you know, a podcast, your 200th podcast is probably very different from your first podcast. You just got to get out there and do it, you know, and, and people aren't doing that. I, I um, you know, your husband is a very lucky man, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, and that's and and that's not uh, that's that, that that's said for very genuine reasons. But at the same but at the same time, Laurie, the, I'm, I'm leading up to to counterbalancing that, that comment that that compliment with I'd also not want to be in his shoes if you ever had a row because I don't expect you're too easy to beat in an argument. Uh, I've been I've been sitting there listening to you 
eloquently answering every question, thinking, wow, if uh, this poor man ever has a a disagreement with his wife, he's in an awful lot of trouble. I bet he loses more times than he wins. Um, But putting that comment to one side, um, you know, you've been in a courtroom, Laurie. You've won a lot of cases. You've lost a few, no doubt. Um, There's no manual to being a great mum or a wife or a husband or a partner. And, and so we all make lots of mistakes, right? And things don't always go according to plan. How does Laurie Gilbertson deal with the setbacks in life? You know, some of them you have just chosen consciously to change direction. But sometimes, as you very, very eloquently said, there have been changes forced upon you. You, you seem a very resilient person. You seem like, you know, you're worldly wise. You've picked up lots of experience through through the doing of things. But putting all of that to one side, how did you to learn on the job, you had to be knocked down a few times. How do you pick yourself up? Yeah, you know, it was it was very different when I was starting as a prosecutor. You know, I, I was young and I was so in there and I had so much energy. And, um, you know, that I was told when I started, you're going to need to do 10 trials until you feel comfortable. 10 trials. And that was right. You know, and what I tried to do then, which I also try to do now, and look, it, it, I'm. this is what I do. Like, so I can talk, I can present, I can be on camera. This is what I do. But it, it has not always been easy. And these things are not always easy at all. And so when I, I was prosecuting, what, what I was told and what I learned was you can only control so many things. You know, when I first started, I thought that I had to control everything. I mean, if I lost a case, I felt this huge sense of failure. You know, I had failed the victim. I had failed my mentors, my bosses. I had failed myself. And that is just not a very productive or um, helpful way of going through life. So I started to learn um, you, you really can only control certain things. And the idea is looking at and framing things. What you can control is how you frame them. You know, in a, in a criminal case, you get the case. You know, the facts are what they are. But how do you frame those? How do you take weaknesses and turn them into strengths? How do you talk about that? And I tried to apply some of that to my life, um, sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully. Um, so it's, it's not it's not always easy. I think that having a community is really important, especially as an entrepreneur, having your own business, um, having that community of people who can be resources for you, who you can go to for help so that you're not constantly feeling that you have to handle everything yourself. That's really helpful, I think, in terms of resilience. And look, family-wise, um, I'm living with three teenagers. So by no means am I in a calm you know, home. There are changes every single day, right? When I, I think you know, I understand something with my kids or, or I'm doing something right, maybe as a parent, it changes. So also being able to understand that that kind of change is constant. You have no control over it. Um, you know, it's what I tell my kids. You really only have control over yourself and how you handle things and how you look at them. Um, and I can say um, meditation helps. Um, my brother is a, a social worker therapist and also a meditation and mindfulness expert. And he and I actually created a program together for lawyers because I've seen so many stressed out lawyers. And so we did this once a month meditation and mindfulness program. 
And I had thought for so long, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm go, go, go. And oh, what is this meditation nonsense? I'm going to sit here and breathe. What is that about? I started doing it. He kind of forced me into it. I started doing it. And um, it's absolutely life-changing. You know, just, just five minutes of that a day can just be absolutely so life-changing in dealing with all of those kind of setbacks and failures um, that you talked about. And lastly, um, it's on my bookshelf behind me. You can't really see it because we're, we're audio. Um, but, you know, Carol Dweck, the, the psychologist, wrote a book um, that talks about growth mindset. It's something my kids learned in school. And, you know, what it really talks about is that you've got to look at the fact that things are not set and that failure just teaches you to grow. And so it's something I really talk to my clients about um, and am really trying to put, put into practice for myself. We now know that Laurie Gilbertson doesn't win every argument because she's got three teenagers in the house. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I Been there. Right? Oh, my gosh. And I've got one who wants to be a lawyer and is on the debate team. And, you know, he's giving me a run for my money. They all are. The apple never falls far from the tree, Laurie. (laughs) Um, You mentioned a word earlier, justice. And I I don't want this to become a political platform. Um, But just a a quick comment, if you would, on on the kind of the justice system, as you see it, you know, the intricacies of it, the the issues, because, you know, it is a common source of complaint from people on both sides of the Atlantic and further afield where the kind of the injustices of the justice system, you know, obviously it's not a perfect system, never will be. Um, what, what can we do as a society? What, what can the legal system do to, to make the system better? Oh gosh, a nice narrow question. How much time do we have, Sandra? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, that probably right question to ask you two I'm minutes. Joking. Two minutes I'm joking. I'm joking. No, we can. There are a couple of simple things that people, I think, on both sides of the Atlantic can do. Um, the first is to learn about it. Know how it works. Know what your justice system is. Um, know what it. Know what it means. Know how it works, and then um, get involved in some way. You know, here here in the U.S., um, you know, we have some judges who are elected and, you know, you just check a name on a ballot. Most people don't do any research at all. These people are making really important decisions. You know, get involved, research, learn. I think as parents, teach your kids about it. You know, teach your kids about justice and injustice. What do those concepts mean? What do we see day to day? You know, certainly here in the U.S., you know, things are plastered all over our front page, you know, right beyond, even beyond, you know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which is the fun stuff to look at, although that dealt with some really, really serious issues. But, you know, get them involved in it so it's not a foreign thing, so that people start to learn what it is. Um, you know, I I was in the system for a long time. I still work with some lawyers who, who are there. And, you know, I would never want to be a plaintiff or a defendant in the criminal justice system, because it's a terrifying loss of control that you have there. So, you know, the more we learn, the more we research, the more we're aware of what is going on, I think the more that people can kind of be in a position to affect change. Um, There's a lot of change going on in the US um, in various prosecutors offices, and certainly in um, various police um, procedures to make them fairer and more just. And I am hopeful that the people who are in power in the system, such as the police and the prosecutor's offices, are 
open to exploring changes that make the system more just for everybody. Well said. Um, We'd love to know how we can find out more about you, Laurie. Uh, How how do people connect with you, should they so wish? Is there a website? Are you uh, all over social media? And what's the what's the easiest way to find out more about Laurie Gilbertson? Yeah, I am not all over social media. That's a conscious choice for me. Um, but you can find me. I am findable for sure. And I'd love to connect with anyone who'd like to continue this conversation um, that we're having. So one way is on my website, TribecaBlueConsulting.com, named for uh, my old neighborhood in New York City. Uh, you can connect with me directly there. There's a form right on the website. So I'd be happy to continue the conversation. Um, the social media that I am on is LinkedIn. I'm at Lori Gilbertson. Please connect with me there. I'd love to talk with people and uh, continue the, the wonderful things that you've been asking about today to have such a great and robust conversation. I, I did wonder about the Tribeca uh, connection because one of my favorite places in the world is Soho in New York. Uh, absolutely love that place. Um, every Pretty much every year I go stay at uh, the Crosby Street Hotel and and spend an entire day going around all the lovely little shops. It's one of my real happy places. It's a it's a fantastic neighborhood. The whole of New York is a, is a great city. Uh, you're a very lucky lady to to uh, originate from from New York City. It's a it's a really terrific place. The final question, Laurie, that we have for you today is the one we asked all our guests, which you probably know about, and that really is the kind of the one rule to live your life by. So you know you've got the ten rules for great communication. Uh, and I'm sure you've got lots of anecdotes and mantras and and rules that you've kind of adopted over the years that have led you to where you are today. You know, successful prosecutor, uh, television analyst, mum, wife, all those other things, all those other boxes you've checked. But if one of your teenagers came up to you one day and said, mum, if there was just one more than any other, what would it be? So I'm not sure if this is what you you would expect um, from me, but what I'm going to say is just be present, be present in the moment. And I'm going to just expand a tiny bit on the one, be present and be grateful. You know, the past, no sense really regretting things and except to learn from them and the future is what we're creating. So just be present and be grateful for what you have. What a lovely way to end today's podcast with you, Laurie. Thank you so much for finding the time. I know you are kind of flying off to um, to present, so you've kind of squeezed us in, and we're really grateful. Um, I was in no way anticipating anything other than a terrific podcast, and that's exactly what you've given us. So on behalf of all of those people from all over the world listening in today, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. And as you say, there is probably a, a wider conversation to be had, so I'm sure there will be calls for a part two uh, at some point. And, and of course, I look forward to connecting with you in person when I'm in Denver. So um, that will be that will be terrific to meet one of my guests face to face. Yes, that'll be wonderful. It's an added bonus for sure. So Sandra, this has been such an incredible conversation. I cannot think of a, a better way to start my, my day here in the US as I'm starting my morning. So thank you so much for such a thoughtful and insightful conversation. The pleasure is all ours. I wish it could have lasted longer. Laurie Gilbertson, thank you so much. And of course, to all of you for joining us on the Sandra Forte podcast today. Once again, here we are nearly three years in, 200 plus guests in, and we are still going strong. And it's thanks to all of you. Do keep telling your friends and family. Uh, do keep sharing your own insights into achieving success or overcoming life challenges. And listen in to this podcast and 
all of the others that have been before and will follow. Please make sure you subscribe. Of course, that's important. If you've got any questions for Laurie, you now can do that directly by connecting with her on LinkedIn or uh, by via the website. And remember, if you've got any questions for us, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. And do connect with me. It's at Sandro40 on Twitter and the real Sandro40 on Instagram. Once again, to all of you for listening to Laurie Gilbertson, who was a terrific guest. I'm sure you'll agree. Until this time next week, goodbye for now.